الحمد لله الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على سيدنا ومولانا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين أما بعد فاعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم آمن الرسول بما أنزل إليه من ربه والمؤمنون كل آمن بالله وملائكته وكتبه ورسله لا نفرق بين أحد من رسله وقالوا سمعنا وأطعنا غفرانك ربنا وإليك المصير وقال النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم من قرأ الآيتين من آخر سورة البقرة في ليلة كفتاه وقال عليه الصلاة والسلام أعطيت خواتيم سورة البقرة من كنز تحت العرش ولم يعطهن نبي قبلي أو كما قال عليه الصلاة والسلام صدق الله صدق الله مولانا العظيم وصدق رسوله النبي الحبيب الكريم ونحن على ذلك من الشاهدين والشاكرين والحمد لله رب العالمين يا رب صل وسلم دائما أبدا على حبيبك خير الخلق كلهم جزى الله عنا نبينا محمدا صلى الله عليه وسلم بما هو أهله سورة البقرة is the first surah of the Quran Majid or the second surah of the Quran Majid as well as the longest surah of the Quran Majid this surah has various specialities various virtues many important laws of Islam are contained in this surah such as the laws of Hajj the law of fasting Nikah, Talaq, then moving on aspects relating to business, buying on terms, or taking a loan, then the prohibition of interest, then in the surah also the laws when it comes to a person taking someone else's life and what will be the, what will be the punishment that will be given to such a person. So various important laws of Islam are contained in the surah. So this surah holds a very special virtue and it has a very special position. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala concludes this special surah with two special ayat. These ayat are very special. They have come down from a special place in a very special manner on a very special person. And inshallah, if we recite these ayat and understand the message of these ayat, we will also become special. What are these ayat? What are, what are the benefits and virtues of these ayat? Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam explained in a hadith that I have been given the last two or the concluding ayat of Surah Al-Baqarah from a treasure beneath the arsh of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. From a very special treasure. Allah blessed Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam with these ayat. لَمْ يُعْطَهُنَّ نَبِيٌّ قَبْلِي And no Nabi before me was privileged to have been blessed with ayat such as these ayat. On one occasion, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam was with Jibreel alayhi salatu wasalam. And they hear a loud creaking noise in the sky. So Jibreel alayhi salatu wasalam looks up. And then he says to Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, that such a door of the sky has opened now that was never opened before. This is the first time that this door ever opened. Narration of Sahih Muslim. And then 
an angel comes down and he makes salam to Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Jibreel says that this angel has never come down to earth before. So a very unique manner. This entire incident is transpiring. transpiring. And then this angel says to Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, Abshir binuraini. He says that glad tidings to you, that you have been given two special lights, which no other Nabi before you was blessed with these lights. What are these two lights? One is Surah Al-Fatiha, and the second is the concluding ayat of Surah Al-Baqarah, which we will be discussing now, inshallah. In one hadith of Sayyid Bukhari, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam says, that that person who recites the last two ayat of Surah Al-Baqarah at night, kafatahu, these ayat will be sufficient for him. Sufficient with regards to what? The muhadditheen, the scholars of hadith, the commentators have given different explanations. One explanation is, it will suffice him from every type of evil, whether it be, an, whether it be evil from the side of humankind, or from the side of jinnkind. In a hadith of Sunan Tirmidhi, Rasulullah Wasallam explains that that person who recites these two ayat for three nights consecutively, then no shaitan will come close to his house. So this is a virtue of reciting this ayat at night. One is it will suffice him from every type of evil. Another explanation is it will suffice him if he does not recite any other ayat of Qur'an. For that night, if he doesn't read any other portion of the Qur'an for that night, these two ayat will be sufficient for him. And if he does not wake up for tahajjud, then these ayat will suffice him for that as well. Obviously the virtues of tahajjud are in its place, but meaning that it will be some type, some type of virtue that he will receive, which he would have not received if he did not read these ayat and he did not wake up for tahajjud. So these are the virtues of the reciting these ayat at night. Now, when there's so much of virtues with regards to these ayat, and the, the, these ayat are so special, they were revealed in such a special manner, then obviously the message of these ayat also will be profound. The message must be very powerful, very profound, for Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam to explain so many virtues of these ayat. Obviously, we don't have the time to go into the details of the message of these, of these two ayat, but just to get the gist of the message, so that when we're reciting these ayat, we can understand what we are reciting, and inshallah, we try to imbibe the message of these ayat in our own lives. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, آمَنَ الرَّسُولُ بِمَا أُنزِلَ إِلَيْهِ مِنْ رَبِّهِ وَالْمُؤْمِنُونَ That the Rasul of Allah, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, has brought iman, in what has been revealed to him from the side of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and the believers have also brought iman. Ya Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala testifies to the iman of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, which is obvious. Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam had the highest level of iman, but together with that Allah testifies to the iman of those that brought iman in Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, meaning the sahaba radiallahu anhum. So this iman of the sahaba radiallahu anhum is being endorsed by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Allah mentioned the iman of Rasulullah sallallahu separate and the iman of sahaba separate or the iman of the believers separate. Allah said that the Rasul brought iman and the believers brought iman separately. Why? Although both have brought iman, 
There's a world of difference between the level of iman of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and the level of iman of the others. So there was a distinction made that although both have brought iman, the iman of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam obviously is no comparison to the iman of others. Allah says that they have brought iman in what has been revealed from the side of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Meaning they have complete iman on every letter, every dot of the quran majid Every aspect of the quran majid no doubt whatsoever, no, res- no, no reservations, no hesitation whatsoever, that is it true, uh, but what about this, what about that? No, 100%, we bring unconditional iman in every aspect of the quran majid so it's not that now because a person studied some type of theory with regards to him be evolving from a monkey and now he thinks, but the Quran is saying that we've been created from Adam and Islam, how I reconcile, maybe there's some other explanation to it. No, no. When it comes in the Quran, then there's no other explanation to it. I wholeheartedly submit and I believe whatever is being mentioned by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the Quran Majid. So the first point. That the Rasul of Allah sallallahu and the believers bring iman in everything that has been revealed by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Kullun amana billahi wa malaikatihi wa kutubihi wa rusuli. Allah goes on to say that all of them bring iman in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. They bring iman in the angels of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. They bring iman in the messengers of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and they bring iman in the books of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. They bring iman in all the books of Allah, all the messengers of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This is the basic tenets of our faith. As young children we learned, iman-e mujmal, iman-e mufassal. This is what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is mentioning in these ayat. So that every night before going to sleep, we remind ourselves of these basic aspects of faith. So that we go to sleep with our iman renewed every night. And this is one of the explanations that the muhaddithin have given, that these ayat suffice a person antajdeedil iman. When it comes to renewing his iman, then these, these ayat are sufficient with regards to a person renewing his iman. Such an important aspect, that every night we go to sleep renewing our iman. So if perchance, if perchance, there was some type of negative influence that we were exposed to, then before going to sleep, we are affirming and we are confirming and we renewing our faith that Ya Allah, I bring iman in every aspect of your deen. All the important aspects of deen, I bring iman before going to sleep. If a person has to leave this world in that state, then inshallah he goes and he meets Allah with complete iman. So we bring iman, Allah is saying that the believers bring iman in everything. We bring iman in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. They bring iman in all the books of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. All the angels of Allah and all the messengers of Allah. La nufarriqu bayna ahadim min rusuli. And what do they say? They say that we do not make a difference between the messengers of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It's not that we believe in some and we reject, we reject others. This is a speciality of this ummah of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. That we believe in all the messengers of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Other nations, they respected and believed in some, but then they disrespected others to such an extent that they even went to the extent of killing certain anbiya alayhi salatu salam. The Jews killed Nabi Zakaria alayhi salam, Nabi Yahya alayhi salam. So while they believed in some, 
Then they rejected others or they even went and killed others. They tried on numerous occasions to assassinate Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. So that is with regards to other nations. When it comes to us, then we believe in all the messengers of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. However, at this point we should understand that we believe in all, we respect all, but we follow one. We believe in all, we will respect all, but we can only follow one and we will follow the final messenger of Allah, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. When Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam came, he cancelled the shariat of all the other anbiya alayhi salatu wa sallam. So it's like a person who says that I'm following the old law of the country. So there was a law in the, uh, in the apartheid time, and now the person says, I'm following that law. And then the, the, the police, they apprehend the person, why are you doing this? No, but this was the law. It was the law, it's no more the law. In a similar manner, in a similar manner, those shariats may have been in vogue, they may have been the correct shariat, they may have been the truth in that time. But when Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam came, he cancelled all the other shariat to such an extent that Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam says, لَوْ كَانَ مُوسَى حَيًّا لَمَا وَسِعَهُ إِلَّا اتِّبَاعِي Even if the Nabi of that shariat, even if the Nabi of that shariat, the great Nabi of Allah, if Nabi Musa alayhi salam had to be living today, لَمَا وَسِعَهُ إِلَّا اتِّبَاعِي He also would have had no way out but to follow me. He would have to follow the shariat of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. When Isa alayhi is going to come back to this world, then he will come back as a follower of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. He will follow the shariat of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. So we believe in all, we respect all, but we will only follow the shariat of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. In one hadith of Sahih Muslim, Nabi sallallahu has very very clearly explained this. He says, وَالَّذِي نَفْسُ مُحَمَّدٍ بِيَدِهِ I take a qasam, I take an oath on that being who controls my life. لَا يَسْمَعُ بِي أَحَدٌ مِّنْ هَذِي الْأُمَّةِ يَهُودِيٌّ أَوْ نَصْرَانِيٌّ ثُمَّ مَاتَ وَلَمْ يُؤْمِنْ بِي إِلَّا كَانَ مِنْ أَصْحَابِ النَّارِ The reason I'm explaining this is sometimes we become confused. We think, yeah, but you know what, they were also following some divine religion. Yes, it was divine in its time, but it expired now. And now the divine religion is one. So, whilst we will respect them because of them being human beings, we will not be violent towards them. But at the same time, we have to be very, very clear that that is an expired passport which is not going to be accepted in the sight of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And this is what Nabi Islam says very clearly in this hadith of Sahih Muslim. He says, I take a qasam on that being who controls my life. No person in this ummah, whether he be a Jew, whether he be a Christian, these are the words of Rasulullah Islam, Yahudiyun aw Nasraniyun, whether he be a Jew, whether he be a Christian, then if he dies without bringing iman in me, kana min ashabin nar, jahannam is his abode. So when it comes to these issues of our faith and these issues of our iman, we need to be very, very clear about it. We will respect the Adam Ali Musanatu Wasalam. And we will believe in the other Anbiya alayhi salatu wasalam. But when it comes to following, we only follow the final messenger, and that is Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala goes on to explain what is the temperament, what is the nature, and what is the response of the believers of this ummah to the commands of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. As we explain that this ayah has very important commands. Many important commands are contained in the surah, in surah Al-Baqarah. So Allah is concluding the surah with these ayat so that Allah is preparing our minds, 
that how you should be responding to all these commands of mine. I've mentioned all these various commands. What should your response be? One is the response of the Jews, which Allah mentioned early on in the surah. What did the Jews say? What did the Banu Israel say? They said, Sami'na wa asayna. Allah placed the mountain on top of them for them to accept His commands. Yet they said, Sami'na wa asayna. That we have heard and we have disobeyed. So Allah spoke about it early on in the surah. And here Allah explains what is the response of the believers of this ummah. What, what is the response of the sahaba radiallahu anhum. Their response to the commands of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And this ayah was revealed in the context. The context, we don't have the time to go into the details of the context. But it was such a, such a command or such an ayah of the Quran that was revealed. Which sahaba radiallahu anhum initially felt was beyond their volition. It was something that they are being burdened more than they can manage. But in response to this, in response to this kind of ayah, whereas they initially felt it's something that is beyond us, Nabi Wasallam said to them, say, سَمِعْنَا وَأَطَعْنَا And that was the response of Sahaba. And Allah mentions it here, praising Sahaba radiallahu anhum. And as a precedent and as an example, for the followers of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, what should your nature be? What should your temperament be? What should your response be to the commands of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? The response of Sahaba and our response must be, Sami'na wa ata'na. Oh Allah, we have heard your commands and we obey your commands. Oh Allah, we have heard and we obey. This very, very vast difference between the mentality of the Jews and the mentality of the Ummah of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam very beautifully is portrayed and is displayed in one incident that had transpired before the battle of Badr. Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam left Madinah Munawwara with a small group of ill-equipped sahaba radiallahu anhum. Their intention was no war. Their intention was to pursue a caravan. The caravan of the Quraysh. And then the events unfolded until now it became a full-scale war. There was an army fully equipped, 1,000 strong that was marching towards them. Rasulullah discusses with Sahaba radiallahu what should we do? Various Sahaba responded in different ways. But one Sahabi, he, in our words, he stole the show on that day. He gave such an answer that made Rasulullah extremely happy. So happy that Abdullah bin Mas'ud who was a very close Sahabi to Rasulullah he says that when this Sahabi gave this response, I was prepared, I am prepared to give everything of this world in lieu of just that one virtue of that Sahabi and that one accolade of him where he responded to Rasulullah in that way and Nabi Wasallam became so happy. Who was this Sahabi? The Sahabi was Sayyiduna Miqdad bin Aswad radiallahu an. What does he say to Rasulullah He says to Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, La naqulu kama qala qawmu Musa li Musa, idhab anta wa rabbuka faqatila inna ha huna qa'idun. Walakinna naqul, idhab anta wa rabbuka fa'inna ma'akuma muqatilun. Walakinna nuqatilu ayyaminik wa anshimalik wa min bayni yadik wa khalfak. O Nabi of Allah, one was the response of the people of Musa alayhi salam, the Jews. The response that they gave to Musa salam when Allah commanded them to fight against the Amalika and on that victory Allah, Allah will bless them with Masjid Al-Aqsa. That was the command of Allah. They say to Musa salam you and your Rabb can go and fight, we are sitting right here. So defying the command of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala was in their nature. 
Miqdad Allah says, O Nabi of Allah, we will not respond like the Jews. We are not those who say, Sami'na wa asayna. We are those who say, Sami'na wa ata'na. So we will not respond like them. Our response will be, O, o Nabi Wasallam, you go and fight, we are fighting with you. And we will be on your right, we will be on your left, we will be in front of you and behind you. This is the response of Sahaba radiallahu anhum. And this has to be our response. Because we are the spiritual children of Sahaba. We are not the children of the Jews. We are the spiritual children of Sahaba radiallahu anhum. They are our forerunners. So their response has to be our response. Whatever the command of Allah may be, whether it applies to my, whether, whether it appeals to my understanding or not, whether logically I can understand it or not, that is immaterial. It's the command of my Allah. Sami'na wa ata'na. This is my response. And this was that cornerstone in the life of Nabi Ibrahim alayhi salatu wasalam. During the days of Qurbani and Hajj, we speak very highly about, about Ibrahim alayhi salam and his family. What was the highlight of his life? The highlight of his life was, إِذْ قَالَ لَهُ رَبُّهُ أَسْلِمْ قَالَ أَسْلَمْتُ لِرَبِّ الْعَالَمِينَ Allah commanded him, submit. He says, I submit. In every juncture, we hear the incidents, we don't have the time to go into it. At every juncture of his life, whatever was the command of my Allah, whether it appeals to my understanding or not, whether I can understand, why must I slaughter my son? I can't understand that. But it's the command of my Allah, I'm prepared to submit. This was the response of Sahaba. And this is what Allah is praising Sahaba for, as an example for us, that this should be our response to the commands of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Yes, at times, because of our weakness, maybe we cannot practice fully on the commands of Allah. That's a separate issue, an issue of our weakness. There is no flaw, there is no blemish, there is no problem, there is no mistake in the command of Allah. Allah's command is flawless, it is perfect, the weakness is on my side. Therefore, immediately after that, what do they say? غُفْرَانَكَ رَبَّنَا Oh Allah, forgive us for our shortcomings. Let us understand this, respected friends. Yes, we are weak. We cannot fully follow every law of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sometimes because of our weakness. But let us wholeheartedly accept the command of Allah. Oh Allah, it's your command. It's my weakness, I can't practice on it. But oh Allah, you forgive me for this and grant me the tawfiq of practicing on it. Inshallah, if this is our temperament, then one day, inshallah, we will practice on that command of Allah as well. Why? Because we are not finding a fault in the deen of Allah. The weakness is ours. The weakness is, is being attributed to our own self. And we are asking Allah for forgiveness. So even if we are not practicing on that command, inshallah, Allah will look at us favorably. Because this servant of mine, he asks for forgiveness for not practicing on that command. So, this is the response of Sahaba, and this has to be our response. Sami'na wa ata'na, gufranaka rabbana, wa ilayka al-masir. And oh Allah, we are going to be returning back to you. This is a reality, which we have to remind ourselves continuously about, that this world is not forever. I'm not going to remain here forever. I may get away here in this world, but there's one day when I have to stand before Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. It's such a reality. That the more we remind ourselves about it, the more we become conscious about it, the easier it will become for us to practice on the laws of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. When we are constantly reminding ourselves that one day I have to stand before Allah. It's my iman. I know about it. It's a reality. I have to stand before my Allah. Then what answer am I going to give Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? 
In this way, it will become easy for us to practice on the commands of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and to practice on deen. Then we move on. Very quickly, time has run out. La yukallifullahu nafsan illa wus'aha. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that Allah does not burden any soul except what He can manage. Sometimes we may feel that the law of Allah is beyond my capability to do business in today's time without interest. Not possible. Astaghfirullah. If it's not possible, then why will Allah tell us to do it? The fact that Allah commanded us to do it, it means it is 100% possible. Not 100%, even more than 100% possible. So Allah is saying, لا يكلف الله نفساً إلا وسعها. Whatever command I give you, it is within your, within your capability to do it. It's manageable, that's why I commanded you to do it. لَهَا مَا كَسَبَتْ وَعَلِهَا مَا كَسَبَتْ Then Allah says that every soul will earn the benefit of what good he does. Whatever good we do, we will earn the benefit of it. وَعَلِهَا مَا كَسَبَتْ And similarly, we will have to face the consequences of the wrong that we do. Many a times we blame others for, our, for the difficulties that we are going through in life. Let us understand that whilst that also is a contributing factor, many a times or most of the times, it is as a result of our own bad actions. وَعَلَيْهَا مَكْتَسَبَتْ Allah says that every person will have to taste or face the consequences of the wrong that he does. Then we go on to make dua to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. رَبَّنَا لَا تُؤَاخِذْنَا إِنَّ نَسِينَا وَاخْطَأْنَا Oh Allah, do not take us to task if we have forgotten, if we make a mistake. رَبَّنَا وَلَا تَحْمِلْ عَلَيْنَا إِسْرًا كَمَا حَمَلْتَهُ عَلَى الَّذِينَ مِنْ قَبْلِنَا Oh Allah, do not burden us with difficult commands as you had burdened the people of the past. The people of the past had certain difficult commands. Manageable but difficult. So we make dua to Allah. Oh Allah, do not... Burden us with difficult commands. Rabbana la, la tuhammilna ma la taqatalana bi. Oh Allah, do not put us in such situations that we can't manage. We all are concerned about the future, uh, the future of the world, the future of the country, what's going to happen. We make dua in this, in these verses. Rabbana wala tuhammilna ma la taqatalana bi. Wa'fu anna. Wallah, forgive us. Wa'fil lana, pardon us. Warhamna, have mercy upon us. Anta maulana. You are our helper. Fansurna alal Allah help us against our enemy, against the disbelievers. As much as we've spoken about these about these du'as, but time has run out. The gist of these ayat is that we affirm, we reaffirm, and we uh, we confirm our belief in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and our submission to the commands of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And as we explained in the beginning, great virtues for reciting these ayat before going to sleep. Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa has even mentioned that تَعَلَّمُوهُنَّ وَعَلِّمُوهُنَّ نِسَاءَكُمْ وَأَبْنَاءَكُمْ Learn these ayat and teach these ayat to your wives and to your children. So let us make a point of learning these ayat, understanding the message of these ayat, and reciting these ayat every night. Such are the virtues of reciting these ayat. That Sayyiduna Umar radiallahu an and Sayyiduna Ali radiallahu an both used to say that there isn't a, pers- a person, no person of intelligence will leave out these ayat before going to sleep. Because any intelligent person understanding the importance of these ayat will make sure that he decides his ayat before going to sleep. And also we find one of the masnoon 
azkar or recitations after we bury a person, after the qab, after the dafan, one of the things that is masnoon to recite are these ayat as well. So to say that we are renewing our faith before going to sleep and when the person is being sent off from this world, then this is a reminder for him also to renew his faith that these are the things that you bring iman on. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala inspires.